Hey, smart mamas. Welcome to the Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups podcast, a podcast about balancing mom life and work life and everything in between. Being a mama is a hard job. We are three nurse anesthetists reaching out to support and encourage other moms with hectic and chaotic lives. I want to be a nurse anesthetist. No topics are off limits. Relationships, finance, mental health, work. And we aren't sugarcoating anything. No way, or way. This is real life, real moms, real advice. And we want this to be interactive. We want to hear from you. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Okay, so we wanted to talk to Caitlin tonight. Caitlin is a very good friend of mine, and she has recently been highlighted like on national news, right, Caitlin? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> like you were just on Kelly Clarkson. I haven't seen it yet. Has it aired? It airs on Friday. Oh my god! I'm so oh my excited. gosh! Yeah. I'm so excited. I ha- I don't even know. I can't record because I don't even have TV right now. But I wonder if we can catch it online somehow and share it. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I imag- yeah, I imagine they'll share it online. Yeah. yeah, and that will be out before this episode's released. So we'll um, link in the show notes so you guys can watch it. But Caitlin is an ICU nurse in um, St. Louis, where I live, and she worked has been working in the COVID ICU at one of the local hospitals. So, Caitlin, why are why were you on Kelly Clarkson? Why are you famous now? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't call it famous. <laughs> <laughs> I. Uh, through well I guess why I became the godmother of one of my patients daughters that was born she long story short got COVID was on VV ECMO um, incredibly sick ended up having to go for an emergency section um, at 26 weeks and so you know obviously we were unsure for a while if she was gonna make it but about I don't know a week or so in I was like if Monique and her baby make it I'm gonna throw her baby shower, you know, like she deserves the biggest party. Like she makes it through this. And for a long time, we weren't sure if her and Zamira would, um, but miraculously they did. And so I threw her a baby shower. And then after that, wasn't really expecting to talk to her. Just thought it was a nice, kind gesture. And then we've kept in touch and she ultimately asked me to be the godmother of her daughter, which is amazing. Aww. And then I just got goosebumps. Kind me too. Of went viral so <laughs> Wait, how did it go viral what, what what where was it covered tell us about that yeah so monique originally had spoken with the local news station and she wanted me to be on it but i was like totally not my thing like you do it your story deserves to be told like go for it and so they did an original story just on her but zamira was still in the nicu at that time so then christmas they wanted to do a follow-up video that she asked me to be in again. And I still was like, not my thing. I don't do TV. <laughs> here we are. And so then she was like, well, good morning. America wants to do an article. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Like it's just writing. It's not, you know, live TV. And then after that, it kind of just all happened. You know how things can spread quickly. And yeah. So- it was like uh, good morning, America. And then like the next day you were on Anderson Cooper, I think. Yeah. It was, I was at Ikea and she had told me like the Washington Post wanted to do an article. So I was like, okay, like they'll probably call. And so it was like a New York number. And I answered the phone. She's like, hi, this is so-and-so from CNN. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? 
<laughs> You're so like, how kinda, did you get this number? That's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah, really, how do they get your number? I don't know. But I also thought I was like more locked down on social media than I am. And so many people found me on Facebook. I was like, maybe I don't even have my last name on Facebook. I should work on my privacy settings. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. you've had um, random people like reach out to you. Like, yeah. yeah. How do they know? You know, it's there's been multiple articles and someone at work the other day told me they're like if you google your name like that article comes up in like Chinese Japanese like it's like in Australia like it's truly gone viral which is insane That's so um, cool. but we did Morning America and there's a lot of articles out there but then um, the CBS article which I think was probably the best done one Kelly Clarkson and then someone else reached out called Start TV for like a little segment. Hey, Lynn, so, you know your next step is TikTok famous. <laughs> I tried to famous by roller skating. I am not that great. <laughs> now you have At least you can time. use it. I'm now like, I we'll have to search for that video. <laughs> There's yeah, a few but, falling ones. I definitely recommend watching when you're having a bad day. <laughs> I So I want to circle back to like what's happened after this made the news but first I want to talk about like your connection with your patient and like how you really like develop that and how because I know like as an ICU nurse like you especially if you care for somebody multiple you know like for a long stretch of time and you're on for you know a big stretch and and you end up taking care of the same person over and over and over again you develop kind of a relationship with them even if like they're intubated (laughs) and but like and their family and stuff like that so but then like I feel like after they leave the ICU it's so hard to keep in touch with them so like how did you foster that connection and communication Yeah, obviously, you know, you guys know being an ICU nurse, you do get connected to people, but it always seems like weird. You never know what happens when they leave or sometimes it feels like you wonder like, are they home? Are they not home? You know, they, once they're extubated and not on pressers, it feels like they're gone. And so Monique actually, after her C-section progressed so quickly, like she got decannulated from ECMO like a little over a week after, which we don't see with our COVID patients. And so uh, I had always like talked about it, but I like spoke with her grandma about throwing her a shower. And I was like, Hey, you know, like we want to do it before she gets discharged. And again, I've never kept in contact with the patient. You know, it's always like, it's kind of weird to be honest. Um, But so we talked at the baby shower, which she had got discharged to rehab. So we just, it was down the street. So we just did it there. But like I said, again, never thought I'd talk to her after the baby shower. But then to be honest, it was, I had her boyfriend's phone number just from pictures he wanted me to send from the shower. And I sent him pictures and everything. And then I got a phone call one day from Monique, which is a part of our story. A lot of people don't know, but she had a lot of questions about like what happened to her in the ICU, which is always something I kind of want, like you don't know how yeah. people heal after they're in the ICU. How long was she like intubated and sedated for? Like a month, was it? Yeah, like three and a half weeks. So she wanted you to like fill in all those, like what, you know, that's a month of my life. What yeah, happened? Yeah, she was like, what's this scar? What's that scar? Like, and so it really was eye-opening as an ICU nurse. And, you know, she had some emotional things going being postpartum and just with her stay. And so she was just asking questions and I was 
almost she asked, had like medical questions too. And I was, I actually called one of my friends. I was like, can I like legally even do this? I don't know. But she just didn't know how to like guide the system. So I helped her like log into her my chart and just being a resource for her maybe, um, which just evolved into like talking more. Cause I'm like, how do you just leave somebody that's emotionally kind of unstable yeah. and not check in on them? So then after that, I kind of just checked in on her. I still had gifts to give her after the shower that people sent. And so I like dropped them off her apartment, like brought her dinner. And so it kind of just evolved from there. It was very natural. Um, can't say that, you know, it would always come that easy. <laughs> Yeah. So, so the shower that you threw, was that like m- mostly people from the ICU or was that people from like her whole like hospital stay? Because I know she was she went from the ICU to a floor and then to rehab. Right. Yeah. I remember Caitlin raised the money like she posted on Facebook, on her Instagram, like she reached out to all her friends. She's like, we want to throw this girl like a bomb shower and get her like everything she could possibly want or need for this baby. You know, like you hustled and raised a lot of money. I wish I like saved all those Instagram stories, but uh, I opened it up to the hospital. You know, obviously a lot of people were on her team from nursing, therapy, respiratory doctors, OB, et cetera. And so I just opened it up. But then after I was like thinking, I was like, she's been through so much. Like I want this to be huge. And yeah. so then I just opened it up to social media and I was like, listen, like I just have a mom in need. I can't really tell you guys anything, but I just want to throw her a baby shower. Like, can you help? And so I set up an Amazon wish list or I was like, hey, just Venmo me, whatever it is. And we actually, I mean, I don't have kids, but the moms of the unit helped. <laughs> and I'm like, literally got <laughs> everything that we needed or that you could need for like a baby in the first year of life, plus over $3,000 to hand her. Wow. That's life changing. And it's so crazy to think, but like she could have had anybody as her nurse that day and it was you. So it's almost like it was a, like you were placed in her life for a reason. You know, she probably needed you more than, you know, aside from, you know, her, her ICU stay and, um, you know, the, the long lasting friendship and just you being there and like, you were the person that would have reached out afterwards or not necessarily everybody would. So that's got to feel really, really cool. Cause to you, you know, you were like, it's natural, but I really don't think that would have been many other people's natural response. Yeah. You know, that it's a special kind of person. So we definitely applaud you for that. That is really, really, really amazing. I tell her all the time though. I was like, I think I needed you more than you needed me though, just cause it's been like a hard year. And I constantly tell her, I'm like, you were a light amidst a really dark time because most of our patients obviously don't have the outcome that she does. Yeah. So while she was in the ICU and her baby was in the NICU and you were caring for her, obviously, because you work in the adult ICU, I imagine. Did the nurses who cared for the baby also kind of get tied into this or were you then going back and forth to the NICU and um, kind of like overseeing the baby's care? Um, to report back to the mom? Did you keep any kind of journal while she was intubated? Like, how did that work? Yeah, I, to be honest, wish that it was of a more fluent relationship with the NICU. But unfortunately, like with HIPAA, they could only talk to the father or the grandma. Um, We would get like general updates and they'd send pictures over for us to hang in Monique's room. 
And so I wish that, cause I'm like, I wish they could have been a part of like the baby shower and stuff too. Um, but it was definitely hard to correlate that. And she also progressed, like I can't, you guys are medical. So you understand like she progressed so quickly after her C-section. I mean, she was decannulated in a week and like moved out of the ICU in like 13 days or something crazy. It's amazing. And so after that, she was able, you know, we, before she left the ICU, we were able to FaceTime her and the baby. Cause I just remember like, can you imagine waking up from like being sedated and paralyzed and being like, Hey, you had a baby. Not sure what you remember, but yeah, so I remember like what to FaceTime and stuff. And then she actually didn't get to meet Samira until she was discharged to rehab and came back for a doctor's appointment. Wow. That's even crazier. Yeah. yeah. I can't imagine like missing out on the birth process. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, not even being able to see your baby. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, that, I would feel like, okay, like I'm extubated now take me to my baby or take my baby to me. <laughs> yeah. And that's normally how it is. You know, we get new moms and usually it's like they blood, we give them blood and they're, we make it happen within 24 hours. But unfortunately in her case, there's just much different. Yeah. Yeah. And with COVID and everything, like she probably had to be negative or something before she could even see her. Right. Getting IP to clear COVID patients is so hard. She wasn't cleared until like a few days before she left the ICU. Now, how is she doing now? Like how is her and Zamira doing now? Like, have you kept in touch with them like in like the last week or so? Yeah, I actually went over there. I try to go over there like every other week or so. Um, it's kind of weird because I don't see anyone. <laughs> um, but I'm like, you know, she's had COVID and I'm back. <laughs> but people are like, how do you go see her? And I'm like, well, I know that she's already had it. Um, but I saw them on Monday. She's doing really well. She has some shortness of breath still, still like inflammation in her lungs, which I do always find interesting to see how people will recover long term. But Zmyra's doing great. She like does therapy and, you know, is a normal baby through progression so far. So hopefully just will continue that way. But obviously there's things that they won't know until later. And so. she's home now? She is home, yeah. Okay. They're both home. And she came Zmyra came home about a week before Christmas. Oh okay. and Monique came home like early November. Okay. I'm really interested to find out what if her COVID was exacerbated by the pregnancy, mm. like just from, you know, cause you had said that once she delivered, it seemed like it just got better right away. And it's kind of like, you know, there's other syndromes that come with pregnancy that the only cure for them is to deliver the baby. Yeah. So I'm kind of interested, like, have you seen this again? What did they think happened exactly to make her case so severe? And how did they get to the point where they, decided to deliver the baby like what was the reason that that had to take place yeah actually you know she progressed like unfortunately a lot of our other patients she came in was diagnosed with covid sent home her x-ray at that time was clear on room air and then i think like within 12 hours was back in the er her x-ray was like completely whited out which is when she came to the icu and i just remember the night that she came in, she was up in the chair, max on OptiFlow. She was like knocking on the window. I was like, are you okay? And she's like, I don't know. And originally, which Monique will talk about, 
so she didn't want to be intubated. She was scared. She was like, whatever happens, it's fine. Like my baby's first, do everything for my baby. Like if I have to die, it's fine. Which was unfortunately like kind of an education thing. She was scared, um, but they talked to her. And so Monique's goal was always do whatever you have to for Zamira. And so keeping that in mind, you know, shortly after, I don't know, that discussion, she ended up on the vent and after that ECMO. And so the goal is to get her to 32 weeks, but she just, I tell people, I'm like, she was the most stressful patient I've ever taken care of. She was so sick. I guess for the first week she was, you know, fairly stable on ECMO, if that's a you know, right. you know what I mean when I say that. <laughs> um, but then she just was, I remember all over the place. She ended up on dialysis. Um, she would like Brady out of nowhere. And I'm like, we just hit a point where like, listen, they're both probably going to die. Like if we don't do something, she was hypertensive. And so they just reached the point that um, at one point she went asystole for a moment, but got back. And then that's when they decided that they needed to have a family meeting and that she wasn't going to make it to 32 weeks. And so it was kind of, you know, ethics was involved as well um, because um, Monique wanted Samira over her life. Um, and so they had a huge meeting about it and we weren't sure if she was going to make it through surgery and so they allowed her grandma to come in. And, but now we're here. So it's great. But I just, so many memories, like looking back on it, even like people I work with are like, can you believe like Monique's on TV? <laughs> like, it's hard for people not in the medical field to understand, but I'm like, I don't have patients like her. I think that her being pregnant was a huge part of it. I think the baby kind of acted like a parasite and just her oxygen demand was just too high with the baby. My sister-in-law lives in New York and does OB and she has seen a ton of women come in asymptomatic and as their labor like progresses, they develop symptoms like severe symptoms yeah. like respiratory issues and then they'll spike a fever. Like there, I think there is something about a pregnancy that exacerbates the, the virus. Yeah. We've had a few pregnant patients, not, you know, requiring ECMO, but a few that had to go into labor early. I remember being in the ICU and this was like, eons ago. And I remember having a pregnant patient in ARDS and proning her was such a challenge. Do you remember that? Well, yeah, yours was recently, but. Uh, yeah. yeah, we started proning our ECMO patients and I'm like, huh, it's, it's quite the time, but I can't imagine having to prone a pregnant patient. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be, I can't even, I keep trying to put myself in your shoes because you said it's the most stressful patient you've ever had, but you were taking care of two patients. Yeah. And I don't do babies. <laughs> so wow. I just remember like so many things you guys obviously know much more about drugs, but I was like, let's diurese her. Like, and they're like, well, Lasix can induce labor. And I'm like, uh, like there's just so many dynamics you don't, you know, know until you have to think about two lives. Like I remember there's so many dynamics, you guys, like her blood sugar, like She's on an insulin drip, and I'm like, but then you can't have the baby's blood sugar too low. And then they, you know, Monique was paralyzed when she was on ECMO as well. And I'm like, what does this do for the baby? Like, but we didn't know, you know, like monitoring the baby. They ended up just doing it twice a day because the fetal movement was so low. And I was just like, there's 
so many things to think about. You're not just thinking about one life, like you said. And I also don't do babies. So, you know, it's yeah, it's definitely scary. like an ethical thing for sure. What was your support like through this? Like who was there for you? Definitely my coworkers. Um, I kind of say that a lot when people ask me, like, how do you get through the pandemic? Unfortunately, because I don't want the heaviness of it to be burden to my family or friends. Like I don't need them to know, you know, I want them to be educated, but not to the depths that, you know, I see, unfortunately, in the ICU. So definitely my coworkers, you know, they're experiencing the same things, just as scared, especially in Monique's situation. It was all, I just, I remember like getting report the first day that I had her and I was like, why isn't the emergency plan on the wall? Like, there, you know, outside the room was the little bassinet, little heater, whatever oh. those baby things are. And it was just everyone in the unit. There was just like an aura. I don't know how to explain it. It was everyone was like, is today going to be the day, you know, like something happens. And, and it's know, really we, a miracle. Like everyone was rooting for her. Everyone like, I don't know. And that she really turned around and like props to all, all you guys, all the nurses and doctors that took care of her. Like what an amazing medical team. Like she's, I, you know, that's why I'm like, there's so much, you know, I don't feel like the media is reported like the medical side of her story, which I understand because it's more of a heartfelt story, but I'm like, but if you're in the medical field, like you don't see Monique's, like you don't see people recover from COVID as critically ill as her, which obviously, to be honest, like her being pregnant is the only reason that she's still here today. because She wouldn't have met the criteria to get on ECMO originally if it was just her. But maybe she wouldn't have been as sick. Yeah. Well. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there for sure. Yeah. It's just a testament to her strength as well and her passion as a mom of like the choices that she made and was willing to make for her baby. And it's just, it's a very powerful story. And both of you have such, you know, a unique bond over this horrible thing that happened to her. Yeah. And she's still to this day. I'm like, it's so, it's funny because some people are like, what if she's like a jerk? And like, we just threw her this big baby shower. Cause you know, we didn't really know her. And I'm like, but it's so amazing to see her now. And like, she's so deserving and to see someone get a second chance at life and really want to, you know, be better from it. It's really an incredible thing to be a part of yeah there's a reason she survived for sure she's made for more yeah yeah I tell her that all the time I'm like you are meant to be here and like even through the hard days like just know that you and Samira are meant to be here and do big things so now I told our listeners that we were going to cycle back to this so I I do want to know a little bit about like what has your life been like after this story has gone viral? Like, like what is, so did you like actually go on these TV shows or did you like do a virtual option? I don't really even know what the media is doing nowadays for this kind of a thing. So. It's been a lot. Like I have <laughs> that phrase of I'm just a nurse, but I'm just a bedside nurse. Like I'm not. <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm not Kelly Clarkson TV show material. <laughs> and so it's been overwhelming. It's been a roller coaster. They, you know, I 
I don't watch much TV. So when they're like, oh, it's like Good Morning America. I was like, okay. Like, I know what Good Morning America is, but I guess I didn't know, like, what a big deal it would be. Uh, yeah. And the media just, like, kept coming and coming. And so CBS, um, you know, we did the Anderson Cooper. It was over Zoom. And typically, non-COVID times, they would fly you to all these places. So they would have flown us to New York and to the Kelly Clarkson show. And so then CBS, like, sent out a crew to my house which I was like I mean lights microphones so like cool. the whole in <laughs> my boobs little thing <laughs> so at for you know it was just is this really happening to me like I'm just a nurse you know and then it kind of evolved like Kelly Clarkson reached out the Dr. Oz show reached out um and so it's just it's been overwhelming I guess I can talk about this since It'll air after the Kelly Clarkson show does. Um, one thing I've struggled with is like a lot of people do the same thing that I do. And so why, why me? Why do I get all this attention? Like there's a million amazing nurses out there. And so when I was actually like talking to the producer of the Kelly Clarkson show, he was like, Hey, like, do you have like, what would make your life easier? And I'm like, what do you mean? What would make my life easier? Like COVID going away? people being nice. like nice <laughs> And then he started asking like, do you have student loans? Do you like have a car? And I was like, no, I paid off my student loans. Like my car is not great, but it works. And I was just being naive at the time. And I got off the phone and I was like, this is Kelly Clarkson. Like, she's probably going to give me something. So, <laughs> You're like, call me back. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wait, hold on. Wait, I, I got a mortgage. I got a mortgage <laughs> you can pay. <laughs> and I was like, wait, like, I'm so dumb. Like, I didn't realize that's what they were getting at. And so then I kind of like panicked because I like at that time, you know, there had been a lot of attention and, you know, mostly people have been supportive, but there are always the haters out there that, you know, I saved her life too. Or, you know, there's a lot that I struggled with because there were a lot of people in her story that were cheering for her in her corner. Um, as well as nurses doing the same thing that I'm doing, like fighting this pandemic. Why would someone want to give me something? And so, of course, like I spiraled and I like texted them. I'm like, but wait, I have this family that I like, you know, this patient, they died and like they had a 14 year old son. So I was just like word vomited all over these producers about all the things they could do with money besides give it to me. <laughs> and they didn't yeah. reply. They just like ghosted me. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. I'm like, you are not cut out for this. What are you doing? And so then anyways, the show went on. And of course, then Kelly was like, now we wanted to give Caitlin something, but she like absolutely refused. <laughs> and so they gave us a trip to like an all-inclusive like water park for Monique and her family, as well as like paying for us to go to Disney, which is amazing. Oh, that's <laughs> amazing. That's so nice. That's well, so cool. It'll air after. It'll be after. Yeah. But it's like, it's been very hard for a bedside nurse like me, that I know there's millions of other nurses in this pandemic fighting the same fight I am. And so I've struggled, you know, with the tension, I guess you could say. Yeah. Well, don't look at it that way. I, I understand what you're saying. It's kind of like imposter syndrome, but just look at it as like Monique's story, you know, like maybe it's not so much about you, although mm -hmm. it is. Um, but if it makes you feel better, it's her story. Like she, like you say, she is the light. Maybe yeah. people need yeah. to see that for hope and stuff because it's so 
I mean, like, I'm I'm sitting here trying to, like, wrap my mind around the whole thing, and I can't. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because I couldn't envision myself, like, amazing as you what, but it's crazy. It's crazy. It's not everybody. Not everybody's like you. There are a lot of nurses and physicians and respiratory therapists and, you know, everybody in the hospital is fighting the fight, but not everybody has this story, you know? And it's such a heartfelt story. Like it's such a dark time. It brings joy and happiness to everybody. And then like Ellen said, it is Monique's story and she chose you. And that's why you're getting, you know, the attention. You just, and it's, amazed like I actually went to Target today and like bought thank you cards because I the mailroom lady at the hospital was like you're like famous girl like you've got all these letters coming in and like I mean the messages on Instagram and Facebook I'm like the messages like through my email at work I'm like the story has touched literally thousands of people I mean I have received hundreds of messages from people and so then at the end of the day I'm always like okay it was worth getting a little bit uncomfortable for because right. Like it's a light in such a dark time. Well, for sure. So when I was listening to you share these feelings and, and I really appreciate that you shared those feelings with us because it would be really hard to handle. And especially like in our role as nurses, like it's never about us. It's always about our patients. Right. And, but you you can represent all of us. So it's like, yeah, you are getting attention, but you are getting attention for all of us because yeah. this is a model nurse. This is what a nurse is supposed to do is care for her patients or his patients in a like respectful, kind, loving, knowledgeable, skillful way. And you've embodied all of that. And so, you know, I guess when I was listening to you talk about this, I was thinking more of like, this is like you representing all of us and the attention is for you, but it's also for all nurses. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally know what you mean. I've actually made the exact same comment. I've been like, you know, it's uncomfortable for me. I was avoiding the local news and here I am on national news. And I was like, it's <laughs> such an opportunity to show the beauty of nursing. I'm like, yeah, people, you know, they don't realize what, especially in the ICU, like what an ICU nurse is capable of from the, you know, medical standpoint. But I'm like, but also the beauty and caring for somebody. I'm like, that's one thing I sh- love about bedside nursing. I'm like, you get to be that emotional support for somebody through a really hard time. And I'm like, nurses do it all. Like, and so I have made the comment, like, why would I miss the opportunity to show the world what nursing really is about? And so that's kind of the, when I have the hard days or I get feeling like I'm being judged for it because people are, you know, like I said, they'll be like, Oh, you're attention seeking. I'm like, but look at this opportunity we have to show, you know, 2020 definitely showed what nurses are about. And I'm like, and I have the opportunity to show what we can do, which is a great opportunity. Yeah. And I really, I do need to like bring attention to this too, that, you know, in a year where there's been so much lack of unity um, among like the presidential thing, COVID splitting people and especially race in our nation right now, like, you know, throughout the summer and everything else with Black Lives Matter and all people of color. I think that this story 
deserves even more attention because race aside, because you and Monique are completely two different backgrounds, cultures, races, everything. I think the the reason this is so big and why you should embrace it is because, like I said, you guys are the light in a situation, not just like in COVID and in nursing, but to show that there are people still left in this world that do not judge people based on, you know, their background, their color, where they're coming from, what their situation is. And that is something that you should be so proud of and to highlight this year, because that's really the light that we really need this year. I mean, like if anything between COVID and that you guys gave people something really to um, strive for, to be better at, I think. Yeah. So I, I just shared this on Facebook this week, but I saw this quote and it like totally sums up this whole thing right here. It says, remember when everyone thought nurses were timid and submissive doctors helpers, then a pandemic came and the world finally realized a nurse is like the Swiss army knife of healthcare providers and will find 10 million ways to save your life. May we never underestimate the value of a damn good nurse. Oh, yeah. that is perfect. perfect. <laughs> yes, I love it. We got to put that in the show notes or something. Yeah, that is good. For sure. When we sign off today, we have to get a picture because we're totally going to piggyback on your fame and <laughs> blast you everywhere because whoever doesn't know about this story yet for sure will from the three of us. Like this is the, this might be one of my favorite interviews we ever did. Ever, ever. I hope we can get Monique on here one day. Yeah, I was. She actually, she wants to come on, so we'll have to do like a follow up. Yeah, and yeah, get, yeah. We can do it like a follow up bonus and hear from her, like her side of how she remembers everything. Yeah, you know, and your friendship developing. Okay, everybody, smile. Okay, ready? One, two, three, cheese. At least I'm not in my closet, guys. <laughs> yeah, Ellen's come out of the closet. Yeah, that's the thing about them not flying you places. Like they wanted to see every room in my house. And I was like, wait, I haven't cleaned yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, why do I need to show you that? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, we want to see what's the best lighting. And I'm like, I promise my bedroom is not the best lighting. <laughs> like, Did you um, <laughs> meet any hot producers? Uh, there were some cuties, but oh. you know, let me tell you about the creepy men that have reached out. That's what I'm like, I'm still waiting on my husband. <laughs> there are some creepy people that have followed me on Instagram. <laughs> oh, I get a lot of creepy yeah, men I on Instagram. Too. I always block them. Is that what you're supposed to do? Because that's well, what I do. I just I'm leave them. Like, interact with everything I post. Yeah. Like, every story I post, they're like, oh, love this. I'm like, whoa, like quit stalking me. Have they asked you to be their sugar baby yet? Because uh, I get yeah, those. There's time. a few of those. They're like, you want to go to Jamaica with me for five days? Like, I so need you to tell me wear my is fur. Maybe. No, Kelly Clarkson already gave me a trip. I don't need your trip. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my god! But you know, it's it's all those people who have that weird like nurse fetish. Oh, so yeah. now you're like really fulfilling that for them. Oh, like, are you online dating? You They're like, are you online <laughs> dating? Because I bet like. The first thing they're going to be like, you're that nurse that was on TV. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we're going to avoid that. <laughs> I was just talking to the plastic surgeon who's going to do my reconstruction today. I had an appointment and he was saying that CRNAs specifically are his like ideal type of women. Like he's like, <laughs> I've never met a CRNA I didn't like. Like they're just 
they're all like smart and driven and go-getters, but yet they're like caring. And he's like, I just, I love the Sierra night. He's like, there should be like, like there's J date. There should be like Sierra date.com. <laughs> <laughs> that's where all the crazy women would end up. Cause that's what they are. Yeah. <laughs> So oh, is he married too. to is he married to a CRNA then or is no he... his wife is a surgeon also. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Happy CRNA week, by the way, to our yes. listeners. Yes, happy CRNA week. So do you guys like celebrate in your workplaces for CRNA week? I don't know. I'll let you know by Friday if they throw us a party or anything. <laughs> we did. Um, our department bought us lunch and uh, the OR, like surgical services, brought, got breakfast today. And that's it. But it was nice. Nice gesture. We, we have been taken really good care of this CRNA week. And so there's this lady in our town who makes like cookies and they're like, you know, like specialty, like cookies, but she will write whatever you want on there. Mm. And so like, we've gotten some for like people who've left and it says like, you're dead to us. Like, I mean, (laughs) she will write whatever you want. So they got us cookies today and they say things like master intubator. (laughs) (laughs) And I put the pro in propofol. I need to wake up so I can put you to sleep. I pass gas for a living. Like there's like all of these like cookies that she made. The master intubator was just. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. That seems like something right up uh, anesthesia God's alley. Oh yeah. I already sent it to gassy CRNA and they uh, posted it and tagged me. Oh, good. good, (laughs) Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Crystal, you can wrap us up. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin, for sharing your story with us. It's really like an uplifting powerful, powerful, sweet story. And I know it's going to leave our listeners smiling and wanting to spread the love. But if you want to follow us, you can find us on social uh, Instagram at Hey Smart Mamas. You can follow us on Facebook at Scrub Cats and Sippy Cups. Uh, We are all individually on Instagram as well. I am STL underscore injector. Ellen at Ellen LaLetta. And Lacey is at Ms. Lacey Lee now. Yep. Yep. Switched up. Caitlin, where can our listeners find you? Just at Caitlin O'Brack. <laughs> <laughs> Just Google. You'll find her. <laughs> yeah. And if you could please head over to iTunes, leave us um, a review. Five-star review would be the best. Much appreciated. And leave a comment of what you like on the show. And that really helps us move up in the ranks. We appreciate you all for listening. And check out the show notes for the full story on Caitlin and Monique. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for Thanks, being in Caitlin. with us. Thanks for having me. I hope we'll have to get Monique on soon. Yes, yes sure. definitely. And Zamira. And Zamira, yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.